welcome to discussion today. I'm Tina Jha. Today on the show, we are going to talk about a very interesting subject, artificial intelligence in judiciary. The Supreme Court's Artificial Intelligence Committee on Tuesday launched its artificial intelligence portal, SUPACE, which is short for Supreme Court Portal for Assistance in Courts Efficiency. The specially designed system was inaugurated by Chief Justice S.A. Bobde, who called it a perfect blend of human intelligence and machine learning and a hybrid system which works together with human intelligence. He said it is the first of its kind system in the world as it would collect all the information much faster than a human being, which a judge would require to decide a case, but it itself will not come out with a decision. Also allaying apprehensions that the new technology will in any manner influence the outcome of a litigation, the Chief Justice said the autonomy and discretion of judges will remain intact with no interference from the software. CGI designate Justice N.V. Ramana also welcomed the new system, saying it is time-saving and would help reduce the pendency of cases that the Apex Court is currently burdened with. So how will this new AI-based system help in reducing delays and pendency of cases? And how will it help in making justice delivery more efficient is what we will discuss on the program today. And for this, two distinguished panelists are joining me on the program. Let me first introduce them to you. I have with me on the show, Mr. Kapil Sankla, Advocate Supreme Court, and Mr. Satya Prakash, Legal Editor, The Tribune. Welcome, gentlemen, on this edition of Discussion today. Mr. Prakash, let me begin the program with you, with your thoughts on this new AI-based system, and what are the ways in which it is going to enhance the capabilities of the Indian judiciary? Well, it's not something new for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has already been using artificial intelligence for, uh, uh, say, translations mm -hmm. uh, and, they are, um, and some other purposes. But this is perhaps the first time they are going to use it for uh, judicial purposes. One, But second, uh, uh, I would have expected the court to introduce artificial intelligence first in docket management and thereafter they could have used it for uh, judicial purposes. Uh, I agree with CJI that uh, it's not going to replace the uh, human mind or the discretion of the judges. It will be mostly used for you know uh, uh, for uh, areas in which there are some data or some information which uh, technology can perhaps gather and process faster than what uh, a common uh, person could do. But the first thing uh, I would prefer that judiciary should uh, use artificial intelligence in docket management and thereafter uh, it could have graduated to the next level which is using it for uh, delivering verdicts. And I'm again uh, qualifying it and I agree with CGI that it is not going to replace human mind and uh, it will always be used in a limited manner uh, for gathering information data facts everything and helping the judges to process it not it's not going to replace the judges and uh, it's not like uh, what is known as uh, uh, what is odr they call it online uh, dispute resolution that's a completely different system where uh, instead of technology instead of helping the judges judges or human mind it completely uh, um, uh, overtakes them or rather completely sidetracks them. It's up 
an independent system in itself. It's mm -hmm. called online dispute resolution. You must have uh, seen in income tax cases, uh, in income tax disputes in some other areas, the technology is used in a manner where there is no human intervention at all. It is not going to be ODR, online dispute resolution. Here, it's only going to um, help the judiciary in the process of deciding certain cases and areas where human mind perhaps uh, is inferior to technology. I'm using this with great caution because had it not been so, perhaps we would not accept, we would not have accepted computers or any other such device where uh, the technology help us achieve larger objectives of uh, by uh, augmenting the entire process and processing large amount of data in a very short span of time, sometimes within seconds. Okay, Mr. Sankla, so it, it, it's going to be used in a limited and controlled manner and only to assist the judges, but not in the decision-making process. As far as the Indian judiciary is concerned, pendency of cases perhaps is the most, uh, is perhaps the biggest concern. So when we talk about reducing the pendency of cases in our overburdened judiciary, how is this system, SUPACE, going to help? You see, let me just say this, that uh, a discretion is something which is seen from the filter of one's life experience. And the judges, when they're sitting on their chair, go by the law, go by precedents, go by binding judgments, yes. but are also going by their own discretion. And discretion, as I said, are past experiences, prejudices, and they're human beings. If there is a way to standardize the orders and judgments and what is decided by the court, there is nothing wrong with it. What this technology perhaps hopes to do is to bring about some kind of standardization. And how that is going to do it? By doing data management by bringing before the court on similar facts the precedents that previous judges and Supreme Court has already passed. By bringing forth, for example, uh, you know, the technology is going to do a big data management that if a particular accused has been implicated in a similar offense prior to, to bring forth that fact. That is the hope that this technology is going to do and that is how it is going to aid judges. Now, as far as if I'm all for it, I think I am completely for it because because we as lawyers, we have adapted to technology. I mean, last years back, uh, there used to be huge libraries. We used to sit in the library, find a binding judgment, sit for days. And now we have technology where, you know, there are these specialized search engines. And the specialized search engines help us find judgments. Yes. And now we have AI search engines where we are also finding judgments, not only on those particular keywords, but also probably, you know, uh, finding judgments judge-wise or by year or by similar facts in different cases. And that helps us prepare better. And the court also needs to have that advantage. That is what my understanding is. And why just for a limited uh, sphere? I think the scope should be enlarged. I think there should be more reliance on technology because it is going to speed up the system and make more sense out of the system, standardize the system. You cannot take away human interference, you, uh, in interface. You can't take away sympathy from the court. You can't take away empathy from the court because that all comes from the heart. But the rest that takes so much of time, and as Satyaji rightly said, to do docket management, etc., I think that's just, just the right way of going about it in adopting and adapting to technology. So which are the areas in which this technology can be used if, if you're talking about the assistive role of artificial intelligence in judiciary, apart from the translation uh, area which... Uh, 
Mr. Prakash mentioned, what are going to be the areas in which this uh, technology is going to be used? Yes, so as I was saying, that the first and foremost thing that technology can do and which is already doing is AI is helping us find better precedents. I mean, that's, that's a huge leap forward. You don't, at one time, say 10 years before, the software required keywords to be put in. And now you can put in sentences and you can put in an idea in the mind of this, uh, in the search box. And it will find you judgments. It will find you judgments in your favor against you. It's going to help you prepare better arguments. There is technology where all you have to do is put an entire pleading, an entire application, and it will churn out judgments for every part of the pleading that is required. It will also churn out pleadings which the other side may use. And as I said, that we as lawyers would be perhaps quite well to actually have access to this technology, to buy this technology. Why should judges not have the same technology? That's, that's, that's going to really, really help them in coming up with the right law and coming up with the right questions to ask. The second part of it is that why shouldn't the judges also have an access to finding out if a particular accused or if a particular party has filed similar cases before the court? Now, what would happen is that you can change the name, probably misspell it, to get over the, the search that is done while you file a matter. But if there is an AI, it is going to find out if the parent's name is the same, if the address is same. It is going to help the judge to find out whether it's a contagious litigant, whether it is a blackmail litigant, or whether this is a person who has been, uh, you know, has committed similar offenses a number of times. And all of that is going to help judge in bail matters, in stay matters, in other matters, which are, you know, kachi peshi, short matters, which take a lot of time of the court. That's actually going to be a big help to the judiciary, in my opinion. Okay, Mr. Satyaprakash. So what Mr. Sankla says is it's going to help the judges in a big way. But is it also going to help the people when it comes to obviously expecting faster delivery of uh, uh, justice and also in terms of cost effectiveness? Is this technology going to help the common man? Well, uh, this technology is going to help us achieve what is uh, what has been described by many, uh, including our prime minister's ease of justice. And ease of justice uh, enhances ease of living of common man. Because uh, the number of cases, if you see in various courts across uh, the country, it's more than four crore now. So supposing each case uh, has two parties or three parties, because there are cases in which you have multiple parties, and each individual has three or five members in the family, the number can be multi multiplied. It, it, it's several crores, maybe 20, 30 crore people are directly affected by the judicial system. So I'm saying ease of justice, if that is achieved or we head towards that, it's going to lead to ease of living. Ease of living and ease of justice uh, are directly related to also to ease of doing business. If ease of doing business uh, is improved, it attracts foreign investment. So there is a complete chain. You are going to have effective court or justice delivery system. It's going to lead to multiple uh, positive effects, uh, effects and ultimately uh, it's going to even attract foreign direct investment uh, to this country because ease of justice, ease of doing, uh, ease of living, ease of doing business, all is getting uh, improved. And so it's all an interconnected world. Uh, world Bank had uh, recently praised uh, the uh, praised India for uh, national judicial data grid. 
uh, which is managing the entire judicial data grid across the country. You have a case uh, pending in any uh, part of the country, you can easily access that order and everything. So entire system is connected. Where I am uh, I'm finding uh, some problem with the entire system is that the Supreme Court and the government, they have collaborated for uh, e-filing and entire uh, you know digitization of uh, uh, judicial records while certain work has been done at a very fast pace in fact i have been to manipur high court uh, uh, as uh, a reporter to see this uh, uh, fractify and justice madan lokur who was heading the committee in the supreme court he was there but where i find it lacking is the e-filing is e-filing is not happening uh, in quite a good number because this kind of uh, i uh, ai would require all the petitions being filed in electronic form, uh, electronic uh, form, and this has not happened. Even during uh, pandemic, uh, this e-filing is not that great. So filing of the cases uh, across India, it has to be uh, done in the electronic mode, and then only it can take off properly. That's a, uh, still, I maintain that there has been a great uh, improvement because when we started going to courts in the 90s, uh, we used to see uh, all across typewriters. Even in high courts, there were typewriters. Mm -hmm. And everything has been replaced by computers and laptops. But still, I find lacking because in 2017, Justice J.S. Kerr, who was the Chief Justice of India, he has announced that uh, in the next few months, the Supreme Court is going to be a paperless court. And uh, for a couple of days, we saw judges, instead of uh, using the uh, physical files, they were um, using laptops and some uh, computers, and they were doing everything online. But within a few days, I saw everything being replaced by the bulky files. And judges would, every time there is a case, is called up, and the bundle would be placed before them. They will open it and just... It's also a question of generational change. Not all judges in the Supreme Court and High Courts are very, very well versed in uh, you know, technology. Yes. So they prefer the uh, physical file over uh, electronic form. And maybe in the next um, five, six, ten years, when the new generation takes over, they are pretty well um, tech savvy. And this pandemic has led to a shift towards online. So this is also this is a sort of silver lining and uh, which is going to help the entire judicial system. Mr. Sankla, so since you've spoken about the challenges and how e-filing, of course, today has not been in effect as much as it should be despite the pandemic, going forth, when we actually implement the AI technology for optimal use, what are the challenges apart from this that we are going to face? And what are the operational preparedness that, that, that is required for this technology to actually serve the purpose for which it is being introduced? So you see, uh, humans are fallible. Their technology is also fallible. AI is fallible. We have to upgrade our system. So I am all for uh, you know e-filing, e-courts, the fact that there is a safety in being able to be in your office and argue matters, to show something to the judge right away by sharing your screen, by sending a service to WhatsApp. I am all for it. I think it's actually eased litigation. It has made litigation much more... Uh, cheaper and, and something that's more affordable uh, for a lot of litigants. So I'm all for it. I mean, instead of sending a 4,000-page document, uh, a draft, uh, making six copies of it, all you have to do is convert it into a PDF and send it across. So I'm all for it. Where technology falls is where the entire system falls. 
So we need to upgrade the technology. We need to make systems more secure. We need to make internet faster. We need to have more access to the internet. Right now, what happens is 30 lawyers who've logged in, the court's computer may crash. Uh, at times, there is um, some kind of delay in what the judge is saying, and you really can't hear what the court is saying. How And there is also difficulty in addressing the court. So all of that is basically the grid, the technology failing us, not the court failing us, not the e-courts failing us. That's one. And yes, there is a lot of difficulty in probably changing a perception from seeing a physical file to a file on your iPad and computer and, and arguing from it. Of course, there is. Because for more than two decades, and here where the judges are there for more than four decades, are using uh, you know hard copies. It's a little different, uh, and it's a little difficult to change your perception in reading something and marking something as a soft copy. But that's not really difficult if the technology is there to probably, a standardized technology is there to help you. So the difficulties that we saw was that there was a disconnect in technology. Somebody could be using a software and the court may be using a different software. That created a lot of problems. But that was standardized really, really fast because the high court at least had this uh, different kiosk in helping the lawyers, uh, you know, having a very standardized system of file. So that was a huge boom. The second, of course, was the technology, the system, the internet crashing half of the time or the servers crashing half of the time. But I think we are working around the clock. We are upgrading our systems and our technology and our internet. And the pandemic, rightly said, has really taught us to adapt to technology and to take it forward. Right now, I just have to carry my iPad and I might have a 6,000 or a 7,000 page uh, paper file and I could probably argue from it with just a slip of note just to remind me where a particular important point is. And that's a huge boon and a huge shift. What we have to look at is to make the technology infallible. And that would mean basically the entire system when we're talking about serv servers, internet, uh, proprietary softwares, we have to make the softwares more accessible. But apart from that, a huge boon definitely for everyone concerned. Okay, Mr. Prakash, so we've spoken about the challenges that we could face in terms of technology. But if we talk about the AI technology in terms of accountability and trust, what are going to be the apprehensions among people? Well, uh, first of all, the CJI himself has said that it's not going to replace human mind. So it's going to help the judges in the uh, entire judicial process. It's not going to decide certain things. Maybe the judges, wherever they are taking help of the uh, AI system, uh, they will cross-check themselves and apply their own judicial mind and thereafter deliver verdict. So I don't think there is a question of trust uh, or rather trust deficit. Uh, people will trust them because the judges are uh, not going to be replaced by AI system. The only thing I am saying, AI system can be used in the judicial process. There is no problem because it's going to assist the judges only. But I am emphasizing before it's used for the judicial purposes, it should be used for docket, docket management. It will fast, uh, it will make the entire system uh, very fast and efficient. One and second, there are certain areas in which uh, ODR system can be adopted. That is online dispute resolution, where it can work without intervention of the judicial mind or uh, any uh, kind of human intervention. And uh, there are certain uh, certain categories of cases can be identified for that. 
maybe a traffic chalan case there are too many uh, i am not uh, uh, saying that one particular case or that particular uh, the other particular kind of case the uh, judiciary can work on this and there can be areas as i said uh, there are certain categories of uh, um, income tax cases where uh, without the uh, without any human intervention Uh, the uh, cases can be uh, or disputes can be resolved so uh, two areas one is that um, odr can be uh, um, uh, experimented with mm-hmm. online dispute resolution is for certain categories of cases second uh, the e filing should be increased and third before we start uh, using ai uh, in uh, judicial process we should start using it for docket management that's much more important and uh, we can see the results ease of uh, justice ease of living and ease of doing business all will uh, improve and in the process our own uh, uh, lives will improve and we'll be a happier society certainly mr sankla so a very interesting point that mr prakash made is an odr mechanism that is currently in practice in some other countries that can also be implemented in india what's your opinion on that how effective will it be as far as the indian judiciary is concerned oh very effective in my opinion you see there's a lot of lot of very simple very small very straight forms that basically choke the system that create bottlenecks in judiciary chalan as rightly said is there when you talk about chalan you talk about traffic chalan you talk about factory chalan and you're talking about uh, you know uh, labor challenges etc and these in despite the tribunals etc these really choke down the system if there is an automated system something like a point wise system it's really really going to help uh, when you're talking about other kind of cases which are for example uh, pre litigation hearings for example so there are exchange of documents there are exchange of emails those emails have to be brought to the notice of the court the issue is whether you have served the other side or not i really don't understand why the court's time should be wasted on this the court is there to impart justice it is not there to manage our cases for that and a lot of this management can be automated all you have to do is file something send a proof that you served the other side the system can automatically generate a ticket which would with the judge would see and the matter would come straight for hearing it could also be pre trial documentation yes. pre trial yes. and all of that can actually be done without the court's intervention and it's really happened now during the lockdown a lot of these things which would be which would be taking the time of the court was kind of given a go by to you had to tell the court that we have whatsapp the uh, the service and the service has taken place etc etc now if if all this is automated by a system if all of this is kind of logged in without the intervention of the court and the court only gets a report and just has to see the report and then if an a human interference is required only ask you those relevant questions why there has been delay if you said there is a medical reason just bring that to the notice of the court i think a lot of the 6 months to 10 months time which is just wasted in pre trial hearing all of that can be short circuited shortened and brought before the court so the court can do what is there for to impart justice to bring to ease of as they say ease of doing business and ease of doing litigation in india so completely on for it completely looking forward to it mr prakash you wanted to add something i am saying the pre uh, pre trial proceedings even uh, uh, supply of documents and summoning or many of the things can be done uh, 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 what i described as odr system mm-hmm. online dispute resolution so uh, even the trial part of it can be the pre trial proceedings can be done odr 
online uh, dispute resolution mode and thereafter the judge's time can be used only for dispute resolution hearing arguments and then applying the judicial mind and deciding the case okay that so will save much of the time and this is because uh, we don't have uh, too many uh, judges uh, currently who are uh, uh, in fact uh, there are thousands of posts which are lying vacant even in subordinate courts high courts also more than 400 uh, posts are vacant so uh, we are not in a pretty good shape that way so given the fact that we have a very limited human resource or judicial mind available uh, the technology must be used uh, to save that judicial uh, uh, time so that that can be used precisely for dispute resolution and the pre-trial part that can be uh, handed over to the technology absolutely i think the most important thing is that uh, undue delay in delivery of justice has to be avo avoided and optimal use of technology is something that both our panelists are suggesting so with that i'll have to call it a wrap on this edition of discussion today thank you once again to both my guests for joining us on the program and sharing your perspective with us and our viewers pleasure having you on the show so that's it from us on discussion today just in case you've missed the television broadcast let me remind our viewers that you can also catch it on youtube and twitter and you can also get back to us with your feedback and suggestions and before leaving i once again appeal to all our viewers that in the wake of surge in cases of coronavirus do maintain covid appropriate behavior take care of yourselves and your families thank you for your time